Do we feel good? Yeah. Are we? Are we? <laughs> we're rolling. Yeah, I was just gonna do a loose rolling start for you there, but that's awesome. Yeah. Welcome back, everyone, to the Freestyle Way podcast. Yes, I said it. It's the Freestyle Way. We've gone through what's called or known as the hermeneutic loop or circle. Do you know about the hermeneutic? No, I don't. In a nutshell, it's basically in writing or thinking. If you have uh, an idea or a quote or some kind of assumption or uh, a belief, it's breaking that belief down into its smallest parts, um, analyzing it, reviewing it, uh, flipping it upside down, uh, looking at it from every single angle, and then coming back to your original thought. So we've gone through the hermeneutic circle. We're on episode, I think this is episode three of season three. Uh, we don't know how many episodes season three is going to have. It may have 10,000. You never know. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Um, but we've arrived at the conclusion that the freestyle way is the way to continue because the freestyle way is the philosophy that I have uh, developed and created for myself. And I'm excited to continue that going. So episode one and two, we maybe didn't say the freestyle way. We just said the podcast. We, we were thinking about it, but we arrived at that conclusion. And I'm excited to, to say that. And um, yeah, so welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Carl, and I'm sitting here with Rylan, uh, who is my producer. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. What are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about um, a great... Uh, <laughs> that, that's our assistant that's producer. our assistant moose moose uh moose is moose is the sound engineer <laughs> <laughs> he's our sound check <laughs> sound check oh man uh he's been howling all morning he's very cute i think i'm sitting in his spot yeah he's territorial right now anyways uh moose watch please your back. just let me sit here thank you so much Anyways, uh, today we're addressing uh, a talk that my friend Logan Gelbrick gave at the Insider, uh, which is an event we're going to talk to you guys more about uh, soon. And this talk about uh, this talk was about uh, his book Going Right, and uh, he really breaks down a framework for why we should all pursue our dreams. And if you haven't read his book, uh, go read it. It's called Going Right. And uh, enjoy this talk that we're going to present to you now, and we will check in with you guys on the back end. So here's Logan Gelbrick at The Insider talking about going right. All right. It's obviously a reciprocal, reciprocal relationship here. So uh, it's funny. Last night at dinner, I was hoping I, I didn't have the patience, but I was going to scroll back to the first time I reached out to you on Twitter. And like, this is how we first interacted. And it was like a super technical question I was asking Carl. Like, so when it comes to hollow rocks, is it more of a neutral or is there like a pelvic tilt? This ha okay. And it's just funny that this is where uh, we start. You know, this is what we think it's about. Um, and uh, to anyone who would listen, I will, would um, sort of want to shake them and tell them that, uh, you know, in my opinion, still, uh, Carl's the best coach in the world. And so, how about this guy putting this on this weekend? So, thank you. 
um, yeah, it's a trip that I get to do, do any of this, and so it's an honor. Um, all right. I'm here to talk to you specifically about a framework that uh, anytime that someone, me or anybody else, writes a book or creates a framework, it's their effort to assign names and rules and colors and stages to things that aren't that clear. Okay, and so uh, the name of the framework is Going Right. And why is it that framework? Well, the, the goal was to make clear uh, decision-making, essentially that every decision could, if you're willing, look like a fork in the road. Go right or go left. It's an oversimplification. Okay? And so what we're talking about today is, uh, in my opinion, a culminating life's work up until this moment. Arbitrarily speaking, I had a vehicle to learn a lot of things that affect me on a daily basis. Uh, that vehicle was the sport of baseball. You all have m many vehicles. Carl had one, and then another, then another. And, and so it's through this vehicle that I learned what eventually became the, the model behind my, my book. Okay, And this is the model that I'm um, talking to you all about today. And just the context to, to set this stage is uh, this only became a point of passion and something that I had to figure out and then later write when I came out of my sport and realized that in the real world, so to speak, many adults were spending a considerable amount of time and energy explaining why it was okay that they had given up their peak pursuit, their peak expression. Call it your dreams, call it your idealistic life. And I didn't know why or how yet necessarily, but I knew that I was uniquely positioned to have, let's call it success, asymmetrical results in the next thing because of the experience that I had in baseball. And uh, I sort of just wanted to shake anyone who would who would uh, tell me otherwise. And so, this is what we're talking about today. Um, <clears throat> first, I need to, to tell you that what's behind this decision-making model is a process of transformation. Okay, Carl uh, is sort of accidentally and or on purpose hinted at this, that this weekend is not about techniques. You will hear people with great techniques across disciplines. Some of those may help you. But there is uh, a unique thing happening now where in the information age, we have almost, the pendulum has swung almost too far towards this, this novelty of information. And most of your greatest challenges and greatest problems, how you will find uh, the next version of yourself, will likely not come from simply more information. Okay, uh, Love Gary V. He got a shout out earlier. You are not one Gary V. video away <laughs> from being the business owner you want to be. And you know that. You're two. Yeah. It's a series. For $19.99, you can get the series of videos. Okay. There is a, a process of transformation that must happen. This is how growth Happens. So I'm going to ask sort of a rhetorical question for you to think about. How does growth happen? Okay, and, and I'm here to, 
to let you in on that. Um, everyone sitting here wants to be a little bit bigger, more capable than they are right now. Yes? Yes. Yes. Okay. Part of that is because the things that you want are slightly outside of your capacity right now. You need more capacity. And so this is how we grow. We, we have some certain level of capacity. The square is representative of that. And then we get a little bit bigger. Notice though, as we get bigger in these like made up stages, that you're including the previous self. You bring your experiences with you. Yeah? This works pretty well. We iterate and we evolve as humans from like a little baby really well, over and over and over again. And uh, I don't want to put too many of the same color on the board, but we, we grow and we grow and we grow and we grow and we develop. And then a lot of us around adulthood sort of stop. And this is a big problem because all of you just said you want to be bigger and more capable. And stopping is not helpful if that's your goal. Okay. Part of the reason why we stop is why this framework is effective. Okay. Part of the reason why we stop growing is because the mechanism, and you'll see this played out, behind growth is surrounding disconfirming information. When you receive information that challenges your frame of view, you're forced to grow your frame of view. Right? You start really small and then you grow. The classic one, really quickly, uh, babies, their frame of view is extremely small. It's so small that when a baby, if you're a parent, you know, I'm not, uh, so I hear, uh, when a baby is hungry, the perception of the baby is that the entire universe is hunger. That's everything. And there's no space, no understanding for another thing, another feeling, another emotion, anything. And a lot of times, this frame is broken when a baby does something that a baby does all the time, which is chew on things. So I, a baby is often putting their hands and their feet in their mouth. You know this? Okay. Well, when you do the act of biting, I do something, biting, and I feel something, being bitten. Yeah? One day, in this developmental process, the baby bites maybe mom's finger doing the feeling of uh, the, the act of biting, but not feeling the feeling of being bitten. What? Right, that's a little baby's mind blowing, okay? There's some other perspective out there. And this process happens over and over. We become little toddlers and our brains get blown and we understand things that we couldn't understand before and this process goes and goes and goes and then sometimes when we get to be adults, we stop growing. Okay. And this is what I observed with all those adults who were telling me that, look, it would be nice to pursue my pinnacle expression, my dreams, my best life. That would be really nice. But, as you know, assuming that I know what the hell they're talking about, we can't. It's just not realistic. It's not smart. It's not reasonable. It's risky. It's insane. And so here's where we're at, the reason for being on the book. Okay, because I believe that these people were um, making the most uh, important decisions of their life based on bad information. 
in their mind there was two doors. Door number one, door number two. All right. Uh, so it's like a game show. Behind door number one is, let's say it's idealistic. Door number two, maybe it's realistic. Uh, door number one is for sure not socially acceptable because only different people do that. Success, Jay-Z does that. I'm not Jay-Z. Jay-Z does that, right? And so socially acceptable decisions happen over here. Um, this is perceived, that's a key word, perceived as risky. And this is perceived as safe. This is perceived as, and humans hate this, uncertainty. And this is perceived as certain because we've seen so many people do it. It's almost like there's a clear path. Like if, you, if you're in like the hiking and you see like, there's the path. And then there's like a bunch of woods and brush. You're like, not that, that's not the path. I can see that. I don't see that. Okay. Okay, and so now we can keep making the list on both sides, more or less. But here's the thing. Uh, if you believed that these were your choices, only insane people choose this. Of course. But of course. So I needed, we needed, I, in my opinion, the world needed a decision-making framework that would challenge this assumption. Because I said earlier, we grow and we grow and we grow. And then that, that beautiful process of development stops largely because of assumptions. Many of you are not able to become the next version of you or do the thing that you want to do because of something that you believe to be true. That's what an assumption is. Like the verdict's out, but you've decided the verdict's in. Yeah? So... I sort of reverse engineered what I believe to be true as this model. And it works in the same way that this little thing works. We transcend and include. So at the core of what going right decision making looks like is a unique characteristic. And what I'm saying is that people who choose to go on these pursuits earn characteristics that you cannot earn any other way. The first of which is that people that do this understand commitment on a level that cannot be learned any other way. Diane is very committed to what uh, she has done and what she is doing now. If we arbitrarily said, guess what, we took a vote, you have a new job now, okay, it's ceramics, come on down. She'd be like, I'm, does she know how to work hard? Yeah. Does she know how to make shit happen? Yeah. Is she committed to that? Absolutely not. She is committed to the things that are drawing the best out of her. Okay. First unique utilitarian advantage to what we're saying is going right. Pursuing your, your best self. <clears throat> In the book, each of these categories has a person who represents each thing to help you understand this. My... One of my best friends in the world, Tate Fletcher, is the story that we hear here. And he is in there, not because he's a, you know, actor, successful business guy, fought in the UFC, but because the things that put him in the octagon were things that he had to commit to 
for decades before there was an octagon, right? The, the carrot that was dangled was only intrinsic. He was in like the first season of uh, Ultimate Fighter, right? So like now, if you're like eight years old, you can, you can say, I want to be rich and famous. What type of motivation is that? Extrinsic, right? Tate didn't even have a model for that. He wanted to get good for his own reflection, his own development, and this is intrinsic motivation. The reason for this distinction is that if we're looking for the best, purest fuel for long, difficult pursuits like this, it looks like commitment. Not just any kind of commitment, but eventually intrinsic commitment. It's okay, caveat, it's okay if you, uh, sorry, if you initially become committed to something for extrinsic reasons. I want to play Major League Baseball because that looks cool and you can drive a fancy car. Eventually, if you're actually going to do that, you would have to shift or at least include intrinsic motivation to go on a pursuit that long. There's not a car nice enough for you to put in the decades worth of work to do that. You understand that? Ultimately, intrinsic motivation is a fuel that burns richer, longer, better than any other type of motivation. The key, though, is that people that understand commitment that we see in going right ultimately understand discipline. Carl learned it in gymnastics. I learned it in baseball. You all learned it, hopefully, in, a, in another, another uh, uh, field. What is discipline? It's the ability to move forward without the presence of motivation. I am not motivated to be here. I'm tired, I'm sick, I don't want to show up, but I do it anyway. That is the type of commitment that greatness is built upon. All right, first amenity. Boom. This sets the stage for, with this, you can do the next thing. A large body of deep work. I still am searching for, have not found an ex, uh, um, uh, and uh, what do you call it? Uh, a uh, exception to this rule. There's not a person who has reached a level of mastery without a large body of deep work behind them. And, and notice that this just doesn't say uh, a large body of work. It's a certain kind of work. People who are going right work better than just people who are marking time. Okay, That is because the purpose behind this pursuit must draw out best practices. So deep work and deliberate practice are sort of academic terms that are observing the way people that are masters of their craft practice. One minute of deliberate practice then is more valuable than one minute of just any kind of practice. And it's funny that separate of reading any books about that, that Carl did that in gymnastics, and I did that in baseball, and Daryl does that in his movement practice, but not because we learned it from someone else. It's because the desire forced us to learn best practices. That's really cool. Having a large body of deep work is uniquely valuable in and of itself. You cannot work Harder, better, longer, deeper than people who are going right. I, can't, I wouldn't know how to fake the work, uh, the large body of deep work, in another discipline. 
than I did playing baseball. With these two amenities, you then build the third, which is this resilience to adversity. There's a universal truth about your life and my life, which is that our, our lives are uncertain, meaning there are some elements that are outside of our control, period. Inside of what I just said means that adversity is coming your way, it's coming my way. My case, an objective case, is that those who are deeply committed and have a large body of deep work are more resilient to adversity than those who are not. You, you, you couldn't have said anything to me, you couldn't have done anything to me financially or health-wise to knock me off of my path when I was aligned in going right to play Major League Baseball, for example. Uniquely valuable. People who don't have this, adversity strikes, and then they do like the meme with the papers. They throw up the papers and they say, fuck it, I'm out. Right? Now, this is uh, a, a unique way to lead to the fourth step, which is flow. What is flow? Flow is a, a term in the literature that comes from a uh, Hungarian... Uh, researcher named Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, and it is the name associated with the peak human experience. And it just so happens that our best performances are also the most rewarding and fulfilling. What an awesome coincidence that the greatest sense of joy and fulfillment also comes with your best expression of your work. And how that happens is at a unique intersection. So we have, uh, let's call this uh, challenge and skill. If you can push your skill level out and out and out and your challenge level out and out and out, there's a little special place here where flow is extremely uh, rich. The opportunity for flow is extremely high. There are a host of different levels of arousal here, like little sections. I didn't kind of draw them all. But you can imagine, like, uh, if, if I'm here, meaning, like, my challenge is quite low and my skill development is quite low, this feels like I don't care. It's like I'm apathetic, right? I don't care about basketball. I'm not good at it. I'm playing against a bunch of my eight-year-old cousins. It's like, this is stupid. Okay. Now, if my skill level stays low in basketball, which it still is low, <laughs> uh, and you put me out there against, you know, the Golden State Warriors, this is just completely, I'm just like riddled with anxiety. This is just horrifying, right? I'm just in over my head. I don't know how to do the thing. I'm completely incapacitated. Right? Now, if I was uh, extremely well-versed in basketball, which I'm not, uh, and then again I was playing against these uh, eight-year-olds, it would just be way too easy. I'm just doing like dunks over them, and it's just pure domination, right? What we're looking for, though, is pushing the boundaries here for the peak human experience. What's unique about this section is this is a dance. What happens when you have prepared and you've trained a skill to a certain level and then you put yourself in an environment 
that is challenging that and stretching that, it feels like you found the sweet spot. Right? And then ultimately your skill catches up and then that thing that used to challenge you isn't that challenging anymore. So what do you need to do? You need to find a new challenge. And then that challenge is just your way in over your head. And so what do you need to do? You need to up your skill game. And then here we go. And this is a dance that goes on forever. You can imagine what it would be like to live in a world where all people are pursuing that type of expression. Because inside a flow, not only do you benefit, but everyone around you benefits. Now, these are, in my opinion, this is a great argument. This in and of itself is really powerful. If you told me that if you went right, pursued your best self, you had all these amenities, I'd be like, that's a pretty good case. However, most people add to the reason for doing this and not doing this is like, well, what if it doesn't work out? What if you become a national, championship, national champion, but you don't uh, make it to the Olympics? What if you become a professional baseball player, but like for like 15 minutes and not really the kind that you wanted to be? <laughs> Whoops. Maybe I should have been at the beach for the last 20 years, right? That's, that's a real fear. And so the last amenity is sort of like the, the trump card here, which is that folks who go on these types of transformational journeys develop highly transferable skills. I'm an entrepreneur now. Guess who I don't want to hire ever? The people that avoided this their whole life, who are unwilling to engage in this type of behavior. I don't want to date these people. I don't want to be friends with these people. I don't want to walk down dark alleys with these people. And then so, with this sort of, in my opinion, objective view of decision-making, it sort of challenges the assumption that these are the two choices. Right? Because this isn't true. We talked about this this in the resilience to adversity section what did I say the, sa the same thing that's true about your life that's true about my life is what uncertainty so is that true or is this an assumption this is an assumption and a big one I would say you want to talk about risk hold up you're telling me that if you want to go to the safe job that is certain for how many years? 40 years you're going to work there and you're just going to turn your brain off. You're not going to engage in any of the types of behaviors that would develop you. And you're telling me that that's never going to go away? Medical sales is just always going to be killing it? Oh, shit. So if that's an assumption, then what's the most dangerous thing you could possibly do? Go left. Go left. And so maybe this whole thing is an assumption. And if that assumption is the, the basis for which that you're making all of your decisions, then it doesn't pay to assume that the verdict is in on that, right? And so this is a very specific model with very sort of specific amenities that I think are really important. But, you know, it's funny. I uh, always tell... Carl, if we speak together, I go, should I, should I just give him like the regular one or should we like go for it? <laughs> like the beginner, did, we should do the JV one. 
No, this is the freestyle insider. We need the whole shit, right? So what's behind this? Let's level up here. Don't just listen to the talk. What's behind this thing? Why, why is this transformational? Forget the book or the names that I'm saying. Or, it's not important. What's behind it? You guys are great students. Why does this work? It's because this type of decision-making is confrontational. The people who do these things are faced every day with disconfirming information. The reason why people believe those two doors are, two, are the two doors is because they get together with other people and say, yeah, this is, this is risky, right? Like, dude, we can't be Lucas Graham. We're regular people, man. Like, our, I can't sing. I can't. He's different, right? And so we confirm this. We have to be over here because it's safe. This is safe, right? And so confirmation and, and seeking confirmation, uh, confirming information is dangerous and risky. Furthermore, it, it guarantees that you will not develop. What do you get? What do your political views get by retweeting the article that supports your political view? You stay fully the same politically person that you are. What would change your political view? If you had proof, information that told you that your previous belief wasn't as true as you thought it was. And the act of going right and the act of pursuing your best self is an act of seeking disconfirming information. It's built into it. Because it must stretch you. That's how deliberate practice works. That's how flow works. I wasn't even really in here, but when you guys were talking about creativity, what's that process like? I have a vision. It looks like this. It's at this level. I start to create it. Do you think, not to put you on blast, do you think the Carl's view, he was already talking about the DJ, do you think Carl's view of the freestyle insider when he goes to sleep at night, the freestyle insider, 90,000 people, it's ins do you think that vision is this right here? I'm very thankful to be here. And I know he's thankful that you're all here. But is this the pinnacle of the Freestyle Insider? Absolutely not. Am I right about that? Correct. He wanted this and he did this. Thank God he's willing to do it. But what's the space in between feel like to him? It hurts. It's disconfirming information. It challenges, it, it jams him up. Thank God. And do, do you think, uh, I don't want to like make you the star of the show here, but do you think that, that Carl has these attributes? Learn them at one level in gymnastics, then another level as a husband, maybe another level as a parent, another level as an author. You see how this goes on forever and ever? The purpose behind and the value behind this framework is that is uniquely, indefensibly valuable compared to the alternative, which is that the goal in life is to avoid all pain and uncertainty and never fail. How low do you have to set your sights to, to live without dissatisfaction?
So this is a very, um, in my opinion, a utilitarian view at decision making. It's sort of using these people's logic against them. You look at this and you say, uh, yeah, you can make whatever choice you want, but you can no longer tell me that you are smarter for having done so. All these amenities are only available to you to pursue your peak self, fail, iterate, fail, iterate, fail, iterate, over and over and over again. And that is very individualistic. And this is what I'm going to finish today, finish with, with y'all today. Is, is this like a big mirror? And it freaks people out. And ever since writing the book, I get messages every day of people making massive life change because this challenged their assumptions. They assumed that they had no choice. However, let me say this. Would you all like to live in a world where there was more of this? Yes? Me too. So, yes, we are ultimately responsible. Each self in here is ultimately responsible for that. But here's the, let me double down, because many of you are leaders and entrepreneurs, is we can build a place, a world, that holds space for this, this behavior. And this is like the collective version of this. We can build companies and families and neighborhoods that support this type of behavior. Is it okay to, at your work to go in there and send it and try your best and fail a bunch? Or are you creating a place where you can't get in trouble, you can't make any mistakes, your weaknesses need to be a secret, and you definitely don't exchange disconfirming information. You talk about how nice everybody looks and how, how great it is to see them at the uh, water cooler. We can actively create teams and organizations that embrace the things that we need, which is culture that is obsessed with and open to disconfirming information so people can show up as their full selves. And what's at stake? Right? So here's, here's the alternative. What's at stake? The book ends sort of with a story that's kind of out there. Last thing I'll tell you. Um, in some respects, the story of Easter Island, you know Easter Island. Easter Island is, uh, if you care to, to so, sort of look at it this way, is like a microcosm for uh, our planet. Okay? So people who were not born there uh, essentially show up on this island, and the island is essentially a complete biosphere. All the resources they need, they could potentially, with the, the animals and the agriculture, or the, the weather and the land, they could live forever. Shit got weird. Okay? They ran into some trouble. Just like maybe we're running into some trouble. Okay? And their level of uh, awareness, consciousness, was a little bit too small for their britches. Yeah? Their perspective of problem solving was kind of limited. It's called archaic. Right? This is a, a culture, and this is not demeaning, but uh, is sort of reliant heavily on, um, on magic and luck. Okay, and so at their sort of lowest points, cannibalism, 
lack of resources. Um, their, their sort of overuse of natural resources. They didn't have the, the conscious space to solve for this problem. And they almost doubled down on using their natural resources and erecting these monuments. And the population almost, uh, the Easter Island population was almost eradicated from the, from the planet. And a case could be made that that was because of a, a lack of capacity. The problems of their day were a little bit bigger than their ability to hold it. And if we want to go there, this is sort of the, the biggest story uh, behind the book, is um, we have the same problem. The problems of our day are bigger than our ability to solve them. And you can't Google the answers to them. You can't phone a friend on this one. The PhDs are having a hard time solving this thing. So how are we going to, to evolve to save ourselves? And it's, it, it must come through a process of transformation. We are not big enough to solve the problems of our day. And so our only chance in doing so is to evolve. And uh, the process of going right is a process of, of evolution. And the reason why it works is because it's built in, has this built in disconfirming information. This reflection back to you of how to improve. And so my, my challenge to you is to maybe take this, uh, this, this uh, permission slip to go on the trip. And then when you get to the end, go again and go again and go again, just like many of the, of the people in this room are doing. Uh, because in my opinion, we don't have a choice. There's, there's only one choice. That's all I have. Thanks. What a talk. I mean, Logan is a... Uh, we know he's a deep guy. He's, uh, he's a great thinker, but he's a great presenter as well. I mean, you were there. You filmed the whole thing. Uh, were you able to enjoy the talk when you listened to him live? Oh, yeah. I, I almost imagine him as like an 80 year old man when he's talking this like wise sage he is a very unique individual i i appreciate him very much and and what you guys didn't hear uh here on the podcast was when i introed him yeah, you were waterworks dude I, I don't know you know what what happened was when i started introducing logan uh i have s such deep appreciation for him and his uh, just ability to uh, continue his pursuit of excellence. And it's something that I identify with very much. And to know that uh, someone gets me and uh, I get him and we um, can be friends and collaborate. And, and the fact that he's, he's been so supportive over the last couple of years, which have been big for me in terms of transitioning careers and doing all this new stuff. I, yeah, I just got emotional. It was intense. Yeah, it was a cool, authentic connection that you guys have. And, you know, to share that with others is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty special. Anyways, commitment. That's That was the first pillar of his talk. And 
I mean, uh, one of the things that I've always said is that uh, the the, <laughs> the secret to success is one, showing up daily, two, um, uh, chasing quality, which means that if it feels right in your head and your heart and your gut, uh, you're going down the right path and the numbers, the data uh, will follow. And finally, what I always say is that you need to exercise PMA, which is positive mental attitude. Anyways, that's my little framework, but I think this... Uh, notion of showing up daily that's the commitment and it's like us with this podcast we 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 decided that the podcast had to continue and even though we didn't have all the nuances figured out we're, we're we committed and, and now we're off to the races and this is something that you you experienced you were talking about your photography in chicago can you tell us that story i, I think that's an interesting one to share yeah so this was right when <clears throat> I was um, living in Chicago about three years ago, just started um, getting into photography and was at this junction where I was curious if I could take it from, you know, just being a passion to a profession. And I was on a road trip driving late into the night, um, heading east. And I, I remember I had this idea hit me. I was like, I need to wake up every day for 30 days and shoot the sunrise. And so when I got back from that trip, the month of October, I committed to do a 30-day sunrise challenge. And not only did I photograph everything that month, I also shared it and built a blog and just kind of put myself out there in a way I had not before. And um, what happened was after the first week, people started to find out about it. And they started to reach out to me. And then it got to a point where people started to reach out saying, hey, I want to take you to the spot. The coolest one being the um, abandoned Wrigley Gum Factory, which was fucking sketchy, scary. It was like Gotham feel. You know, like they'd film a Batman movie in there. Had all the old paperwork and whatnot. Crazy. Um, But I completed the challenge, and a few things happened. One, I... um, felt like I, in a way, was starting to turn pro. Um, obviously, like, you're never done, but I I got out of it. What I wanted was I, I felt confident with my skill set because it had developed both on the um, physically shooting side and then the, the editing, the mm-hmm. post-production. Um, and then fast forward a year, I got um, contacted by a publisher, Trope Reader, in Chicago, and they wanted to put four of my photos in a coffee table book they were making about Chicago. And, and now you're a published... Uh, that was the first time I was published. It that's was amazing. big time for me. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was kind of like my like small commitment to do a, you know, a challenge that, that was... Unco- also, I'm not a morning person, so every morning was, so it was a, a, a challenge struggle. for you. Yeah, it was a challenge in many in many ways, not just like it wasn't just about photography, but it it propelled me forward in in a way that I like I had no idea. Right. See, that's that's super cool. And no matter um, how small the commitment is, meaning if it's only thirty days, that thirty day commitment can make a big splash, like a big impact, and and. That speaks volumes to the importance of commitment. And if you think about uh, commitment, uh, anything that you committed to in your life, whether the outcome was positive or negative, you probably learned a lot. 
And I think that's where Logan's deep body of work comes into play is that if you commit just a little bit to something and you're consistent enough to show up and to continue to practice, you will develop a body of work that will get deeper and deeper over time. And that is super powerful because the deeper your body of work, uh, the deeper your understanding. And here's something that is, to me, very interesting is that let's say that every repetition gives you information. Over time, that information becomes knowledge. But the deep body of work, what it really gives you is the ability to put knowledge into context. And knowledge in context is understanding. Understanding translates into awareness, empathy, compassion, all of those things that uh, allow us to enter a state of flow, which is the next next piece. And, uh, of course, there's so many theories on flow, but if, if flow is a place where things are happening for you, and, and I talk about it in this way, I talk about it in terms of effortless effort, the more we can spend time in an effortless effort uh, state, the more work, the more movement, the more growth, the more development we can experience. And I think that's ultimately what we want because when we uh, are in a conscious state, like right now you and I are thinking, we're usually thinking either in retrospect or forward. Our body of work doesn't exist yet. It's something that we're creating. So all we have to really reflect on is the past. Uh, that being said, there's the ability to uh, de- develop forward, to reflect forward. And I think this is where his concept of highly transferable skills come into play, which is taking everything that you've learned, the values, the principles, the techniques, the methods, and translating them into future endeavors, regardless of the craft. I mean, everything that I learned in gymnastics, I translated into business development. Everything that I've learned in business development, I translated into now trying to be more uh, or express myself in a more creative way, which is us attempting to do this podcast and Coffee Club and The Insider, uh, which is the event where Logan spoke at and you guys just uh, heard his talk through. So yeah, I I think this uh, framework that Logan has created is really powerful. And one of the things that I I really appreciated was the example of the two doors where uh, choosing the path that seems a little sketchier is the one that's going to challenge you the most for you. Uh, Maybe it was silly to uh, think about uh, waking up early as a challenge, but for some people, it's really hard to wake up early. That's your challenge. And to accept that your challenge, just because it's different than someone else's challenge, doesn't mean it's less valuable, which ties back into ultimately one of our uh, intentions with this podcast, which is to help you, the listener, and ourselves as we go through this, to rationally and emotionally see where the value in our lives really lie so we can invest more in that i think that's that's it so yeah that's some uh food for thought um yeah do you have anything that's on your mind ryan no i mean i think uh logan was i mean that was an incredible presentation um next week we're going to hear from tom i'm curious how do you find and identify people like tom and logan to be a part of the insider Well, you know what's funny is that uh, I didn't identify them. I just did what I do best, 
and I attracted them, which is amazing. And that's not to like toot my own horn here, but what I'm what I'm trying to say is that because I was so focused in the fitness scene on doing a good job, they found my stuff and we connected that way. And we've developed a friendship uh, over time and they were um, gracious enough to uh, fly out from North Carolina and from LA to come to San Francisco to, to speak to everyone who's in attendance at the Insider. And man, I can't wait for 2020's Insider. is going to be super sick and I, we, we'll, we'll be announcing details on that soon. Uh, so it, in a nutshell, I believe that if you create, meaning if you do you really well, you will attract the opportunities that you need in this moment to uh, be able to move forward and to have great collaborations and, and experience something like uh, Logan's talk. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you for listening in. This is the Freestyle Way Podcast. This is Carl Powley, your host. I'm sitting here with my producer, Rylan, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Peace. Peace. <laughs>